But first, I want to remind us about why we call this a celebration service, why we say this is the 2028 celebration service. Some of us might say that we are celebrating our service, but we'd be wrong. Some of us might say we would be celebrating the tasks, the things that got done yesterday because it was a huge operation and we would still be wrong. Some of us might say that we celebrate that neighbors across the St. Louis region were served and had physical, very tangible needs met and we'd still be wrong. The dads among us might say that we are celebrating Father's Day and let's let them believe that but we'd still be wrong there too because we are celebrating a heavenly father. We are celebrating a father who sent his son to live as one of us, to be tempted in every way as we have been, to to, to live a life of ministry, healing the sick, loving the poor, who died on a cross for our sins, who was raised to new life, and who still to this day sits on a throne listening to and answering our prayers. That is what we celebrate. Our service is merely a reflection of that greater love. And our service is as much worship as any other Sunday morning throughout the year because we worship the one who has performed an even greater service. This is why Jesus says, and this is why we sang the first song this morning, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and our neighbor as ourself. Those are not two different things. Those are the same, two sides of the same coin. And we do so because he has already done this for us. So as you hear what is about to be shared, know that their value, the uh, the value of these stories does not come from human work or service or anything that we have done, but from the severe love of Jesus Christ, who has graciously invited us to participate in the work of what he is already doing. We get, we don't have to, we get to participate in nothing less than the redemption of everything. And that's what happened yesterday, that's what happens this morning, and that's what happens every day from here on out. So if you welcome Drew, who is setting a fashion statement this morning. Thanks, Brad. I love it. It's Father's Day. I can wear whatever I want, right? (laughs) I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Glad everyone's here this morning. I hope you're on as much caffeine as I am. Uh, this year, 2028, there were a couple of things that each year we try to improve it. And a couple improvements we wanted to make this year was to try to make the event more relational, where we engage more with those we're serving, and to also, in cases where we're giving something to the, the recipients, that we're giving them the opportunity and dignity to participate in that. And that translated in the Jubilee Center uh, for a bike clinic where we, uh, rather than just giving away bikes, our experience in the past has been we gave away some, have been doing this for a couple of years, and got stories back that we gave a kid a bike and six months later the chain broke and they threw it away. Uh, we wanted them to have some ownership in what they received. So at Jubilee, that translated into, we told folks, if you want a kid's bike, it's $10. If you want an adult bike, it's $20. And as I was working at the clinic yesterday, I met a young man named Chris, and uh, you can see I'm not looking quite as buff uh, today as I was yesterday. <laughs> I, you know, it's a Father's Day thing, I guess. I'm not sure. But uh, Donnie Jones, who's a member at Jubilee, and a wonderful guy, and he runs a, a ministry in the prison, and he met uh, Chris in his prison ministry, introduced him to me, and I said, hey, Chris, how you doing? I said, uh, 
Chris, you have a bike? He goes, no. I said, would you like one? He said, yeah. And I said, well, they're $20. He said, man, I don't have any money. I said, I'll tell you what. You can work for us for 10 bucks an hour, and in, in uh, two hours you can have a bike. He goes, yeah, that sounds great. So he jumped in with us and helped. And I asked him, Chris, have you ever worked on a bicycle before? He goes, no. But every time I'd show him something, he got it. And he was like right on it. And uh, to me, it, it was obvious he had a lot, of, a lot of mechanical aptitude. And I'm a great judge of that because it's been proven that knowledge of mechanical aptitude is inversely proportional to your fashion sense. And I'm clearly mechanically inclined. And as I was working with Chris, uh, I noticed that, and I kept saying to him, Chris, you, you've got some great skills here. And when we first started working, I said, do you have a job? He goes, no. He said, what kind of work do you want to do? He goes, he's thinking, oh, maybe warehouse work. You know, you, you could tell he just didn't have a high self-esteem. By the time we were done, I said, when it was all over, I said, Chris, what are you going to do with those hands of yours? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, God has given you a gift. What do you want to do with those? And you could tell he, he would finally release a little bit of his dream. He says, I'd really like to be an electrician or a carpenter. And interestingly, one of the clients who was there to get a bike fixed happened to be a pastor in the neighborhood of another church and very involved in community outreach. He turned to him and said, Chris, we've got a technical program starting next Tuesday. I want you there. We're going to teach carpentry and electrical skills. And he said, I want to be there. The lesson learned for me and I think for our, our organization is that, you know, people attach value to what they receive based on what they pay for it. And if you pay nothing for something, you don't attach any value to it. You throw the bicycle away rather than care for it. If you invest in something, you really cherish it. And the bottom line for me was to recognize that how much Christ must cherish us for him to invest his entire life just to buy our sin. So thank you. Appreciate it. What an act to follow. There are a lot of you out there. I don't like doing this, but I have to tell you, I've been thinking about a lot about yesterday, but in order to tell my story, I have to start from the beginning. It all started more than a week ago. A subcontractor of mine in Orlando who continually assured me that everything was going to be taken care of, that when my clients and I arrived, we were going to get everything done, finally confessed under pressure last Friday evening that it wasn't going to happen. I spent every waking moment that weekend trying to make, ha make it work so that I could do my job and serve my clients. The week was a disaster. Anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Every day started, and I'm serious, at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and ended with a conference call to my supplier that ended around 11 o'clock at night. Add that into moving time zones. I was working on three or four hours of sleep. Um, and the relationship with my client kept getting edgier and edgier and edgier. On Friday, I arrived home. After a 4 a.m. wake-up call to catch a 6 o'clock flight out of Denver, I walked in my house. I haven't been home in two weeks. There, I, the kitty litter boxes are overflowing. There's mail piled everywhere. And my husband is on his personal motorcycle vacation. So there I am. And on top of this... I get to do a 3 to 4 o'clock conference call with my supplier trying to negotiate a redo and a 4 to 5 o'clock conference call with the people I'd been working for to apologize once again and tell them what we were going to do. Are you getting the picture? Poor me. Poor me. So what do I do? I get up Saturday morning. I get dressed. I'm driving over to the high school. And what am I thinking about? Poor me. 
All I'm thinking about, oh, is this client? How are we going to do this? I pull into the, the parking lot at the high school, and what do I see? I see green shirts. I see smiling faces. I see all of the people that I have truly grown to love as my church family. I had a chance to work alongside with Susan, and I don't know where you are. Can you believe she and I have both been attending this church? We figured for about 12 or 13 years and had never met each other. I met Barry. He won't forget me because I'm the one that said, I know how to get to Lydia's house and then proceeded to get lost. Um, I worked clean on my hands and knees. My knees are not that great. Cleaning, 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 cleaning. Not even my house. But it was wonderful, and it was fulfilling. I had the chance to work aside a wonderful, wonderful team of people with the heart of Christ that wanted to give and wanted to give to somebody anonymously. We never had the chance to meet the families. Um, so last night, I thought about the mother who, feeling so overwhelmed by fear, opted for a chance, rather than to tolerate an abusive situation, to grab the only things that she loved and left everything else behind her. She and her boys moved into a shelter, crowded shelter with a room lined with bunk beds, leaving all of her worldly possessions behind. When she leaves the shelter next week and moves into Lydia's house, her life will change. She'll be able to trade the crowded shelter for privacy and even her own kitchen. But maybe too much privacy, because to protect her, she can't tell her friends, she can't tell her family, she can tell no one where she goes. I mean, she can't even order pizza, because she can't give the address to a pizza delivery man. So she has given up so much for the sake of protecting her children. But when she walks in the door of Lydia House to start her new life with the ones she loves most, and thanks to Greetree, she will be loved in a very, very special and safe way. And it isn't that, isn't that what we're promised, to be loved in a very special and safe way? But am I willing to do what she did? Am I willing to leave everything behind to get that love? It kind of makes me think. But beyond that, there's one other additional note to the story. In addition to seeing all the overflowing boxes of kitty litter and the mail and the dust balls and everything that was waiting for me at my house, there was that blasted white plastic bag on my kitchen counter. It was the bag that was supposed to go to Delane's garage sale, but it's been sitting there for weeks, and I just hate clutter. So on my way out of the house, I grabbed the bag. I discovered to... Unbeknownst to me, we knew that the family had five boys, that one of the bedrooms was being decorated in a sports motif, motif with a huge his, picture of, Cardin, of the Cardinal Stadium and Cardinal baseball players. And alongside of that were what I took out of the white bag, three baseball gloves and three balls. Maybe I should listen better. Maybe I should serve more because the joy that I have gotten out of this and the realization that it isn't all about poor me. I'm not poor. I am blessed. Amen. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, as I, as I see this video and slideshow and as I hear these stories and as I continue to hear phone calls and emails of stories of people who have not been blessed by their service, but have been blessed by God's love. God, I'm, I'm, I'm floored. I'm, I'm actually speechless, and, and that's kind of a miracle in of itself. 
Lord, I have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer you that could make you love us more because there are no boundaries to the love that you have for us. So God, let that drive our love of neighbor and let our love of neighbor be worship. God, as we, as we leave this room today, as we, we go throughout our lives, Lord, I pray that our reflection would be an all-soul-satisfying placement in your love. God, that we would find our satisfaction in you rather than anything else in this world. Because, God, there's nothing more satisfying. So, Lord, increase our desires, increase our passions, because they are weak. And, Lord, let that addiction to your love just grow as a result. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your love, and uh, we pray in the epitome of your love, which is your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brad. I picked up uh, Chip and Peggy yesterday morning to take them over to 2028, and we ran by downtown to get a cup of coffee, and I'm trying to explain to them, 2028 is, it's, you know, it's a service day, and Chip says, well, how does it work? I said, you know, quite frankly, I really don't know how it works. I just kind of show up, and it, and it really, it, but it works, and we pull in the parking lot, and, and as Cindy said, there's hundreds of cars, and he said, well, where are we working today? And I said, you know, I have no idea. I got to find out who's in charge. I know I signed up a couple weeks ago, but I, I don't know what I'm doing, and uh, he said, well, that's clear, and um, <laughs> So we went over, I said, oh, there's all those signs we got with our group. And we were in the Meacham, uh, uh, Meacham Park Family Fun Day. Uh, and so I, I, you know, we get over to Meacham Park and I, you know, I, I do what I do best, which is talk and um, try to avoid work all at the same time, which is really cool how those things go together. But in the middle of the park, we were doing the Family Fun Day with all the toys. And then across the street uh, were a bunch of guys and gals. Uh, we were working with a scout troop, local scout troop. One of our, one of our own students here was working on his Eagle Scout project. So it was a great tie-in. Um, uh, they were fixing bicycles, and they had also gotten some bicycles donated, and so doing kind of what Drew and those guys were doing up at Jubilee, and providing some, you know, bikes for the for the kids in the neighborhood for the summer. Uh, I don't know anything about fixing bikes. Uh, I know where the bike shop is. And so I'm kind of wandering around over there, and Cindy is talking to one of the moms who lives in the neighborhood. And it's a mom who has adopted, uh, she has seven kids, and she's adopted five of them. And uh, one of her kids was there, and her name was Adrian. And the way they did it over, over at Meacham yesterday is that when you got there, you got a number and you got in line. And when your number was called, you could go in and you could find a bike that was your size and your shape. And then if it needed to be fixed, you took it down to the tent where all the, all the folks were working to fix the bikes, and, and then you were set to go. And, uh, and so I'm talking to, uh, I go over to Cindy, she's talking to this mom, and Cindy says, uh, her daughter Adrian is over there someplace trying to find a bike. She's all by herself. Go help her find a bike. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I go find Adrian. I say, I'm Mr. Tom. You're Adrian. Uh, let's go find a bike. We go over. We look at the bike. So she has number 55, okay? Uh, we started, you know, obviously the one worked our way up. So she's been in line for a long time. We get over there, and there's nothing but, like, real tall 10-speed bikes. And here's this little 8-year-old girl just standing there, you know, staring at this deal, knowing that there's no bike there for her. And so I go back over to Cindy. I said, well, you know, the, all the bikes are, you know, they're all, all that's left is, you know, kind of bigger kid, teenager adult bikes. And she goes, well, okay, Adrian's brother Antonio is here someplace too, and he's here to get a bike. Okay, there are no bikes for these kids. All right, well, this is an easy solution for me. I, I, I just, okay, get the kids. Mom's okay, let us take the kids. We go up to Walmart, uh, and we said, we're going to go get you guys bikes. We, they're all out here, but we know a place where we can go get a bike. So we go up to Walmart. We're walking through Walmart back to the bike section for these kids to get a bike, and as I'm walking along, this little hand slips into mine, and all of a sudden, Adrian and I are holding hands. And she looks up at me and she goes, isn't this great? 
<laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. So you're going to make me cry in church tomorrow, and you don't even know what that means. But I said, yeah, this is great. This is so cool. And uh, so we got the bikes, took them back, and uh, it, it was wonderful. But um, Brad said something earlier that's exactly right. And as we get ready to go to the Lord's table, the thing that strikes me uh, about 2028 and how this deal got started and why it got started and why it continues to, to have a, a good degree of success. You know, you do a lot of church programs come and go, friends. This is our, our sixth year, our seventh year with uh, 2028. It's our sixth. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of longevity for, for a program like this. And it's because... Um, God's been gracious to us, and maybe we've begun to grasp the outer edges of that. The theme verse is Matthew 20, 28. And Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples the perspective they should have on life. Because a mom came to Jesus and said, I got these two boys over here. Will you make sure they're number one and number two in your kingdom? She kind of is working around the other ten guys. And uh, everybody else gets indignant because they think they should be first. And so Jesus says, we've we got to have a different perspective on life. You've got to look at things a little bit differently if you're going to be in my kingdom. And he says, and he's talking about himself. This is, this is Jesus' phrase for himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. Uh, and he says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think the only reason 2028 works and will continue to work is if we understand this verse. Because there are two dangers, I see, inherent dangers with doing what we do in 2028. The first is to focus on the, the people whom we're helping. And a lot of people got helped yesterday. And, and a lot of wonderful things happened yesterday. But quite frankly, what we did yesterday was like maybe dropping an extra drop of water in the Pacific Ocean when it comes to the needs of our world. What we did yesterday was so small and so insignificant, and I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to to, uh, make light of our energy and our effort and our work and all the planning that actually goes into this event, but we all understand this. Adrian and Antonio's problems are still their problems today. They just happen to now have a bicycle to ride around. And life might be a little bit better for them over the summer. But Drew already said, a bicycle's break. What happens when they break? If we focus on the people whom we serve, we will become overwhelmed. Because there's always one more thing to do. There's always one more individual, one more person, one more family that's in need. Jesus said it very clearly to his disciples. The poor you will always have with you. Not just physically poor, not just financially poor, but but health-wise poor, emotionally that that's the ramifications of living in a fallen and broken world and if we focus on the people to whom we go to serve and that is our main reason for doing it we're going to get overwhelmed and probably discouraged and probably eventually 2028 will kind of go by the wayside like a lot of other things do and we'll go on to whatever might be the next thing that makes us feel pretty good the other danger that you have with 2028 is focusing on ourselves saying isn't it great to go to a church that does something like 2028 now i'd be the first person to say that I think it's wonderful what Green Tree does. And again, I'm not trying to downplay that, but if we focus on ourselves and if we get busy patting ourselves on the back and saying, look at how great this is, look at how wonderful this is, look at how we serve others. Way to go, Green Tree Community Church. And our focus is on us. We'll become filled with pride and arrogance. We'll begin to be judgmental people. We'll begin to wonder why other folks don't do it as well as we do it. We'll begin to find fault with those within our congregation who maybe were out of town yesterday. Oh, you couldn't serve in 2020. Oh, you really missed the blessing. And we'll begin to be arrogant. 
and we won't look a thing like Jesus. There's only one way to make sure that 2028 and your life as a disciple and my life as a disciple, quite frankly, just look at the whole picture, is, is going to be what it ought to be. And that's to focus on Jesus. And that's what Jesus says. He said, gentlemen, he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to us this morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, focus on me. Understand my perspective. I didn't come to be served. I could have if I wanted to. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. Wouldn't that be cool to have on your resume? (laughs) Going for a job? What do you do? I'm king of kings and lord of lords. (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) You're an aerospace engineer? That's nothing. I created the stars. You want to see how I did it? I mean, wouldn't that just be so much fun? That would would just be so cool. And Jesus said, I could have come to be served, and, and, and you should spend your life serving me. That's exactly right. But I didn't come for that purpose. I came to serve. I came to give everything I have, everything, my life, away, so that you, who have nothing, could have everything. Son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I didn't give my life yesterday. I gave a few hours and a couple of bicycles and a couple of bike helmets. Big deal. That was cool. It was fun. When she was holding my hand, it was a cool, one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. But this is a lot cooler. <laughs> this is more amazing. It's more profound. And the way we continue on the journey, friends, the way we move forward as a spiritual family, is to focus on Jesus, the gift he has given us. And as we focus on him, he will lead us to places of service. He'll lead us to Lydia House. He'll lead us to angel arm pool parties. He'll lead us to to helping folks fix up bikes and, and all different kinds of opportunities. He'll lead us to share the gospel with others. But it's because our focus is on him and his glorious gift that redeems even people like you and me. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we celebrate the opportunity that you gave us yesterday to be your hands and your feet in in people's lives, to, in a sense, extend a cup of cold water to to another person. And Brad said a little bit earlier, it's one and the same thing. Loving our Lord and our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors, ourselves, are, are the same coin, just two different sides. So, Father, thank you that we, again, got to kind of spread out and do some things that were helpful to people. What a blessing that is. But Father, always keep us focused, I pray, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Always keep us focused on his gift for us, on his mercy, on his compassion, and on his life given as a ransom for us. And whatever we do, Lord, whether it's 2028, whether it's a short-term mission project, whether it's coming here to worship on Sunday morning, whether it's being in our family as a dad. Lord, wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, I pray that our focus would be on the Son of Man and on the glorious gift He has given us, His life in exchange for ours, that those of us who are on judgment and on death row now suffer no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. And as we've sung earlier, we are forgiven. Lord Jesus, may we bless your name. May we focus on you all of our lives. Amen.